You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha! In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater. Welcome to the show, MD Nation! As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and we're back with the continuation of the Week 11 recap with the Sunday night and the Monday night game that we'll talk about in today's episode. And of course, we have the waiver wire report looking ahead into Week 12. Can you believe it? That's right, Week 12. We are two games away from the playoffs now. This is all she wrote. It's all hands on deck. It's a full mad rush. For a lot of teams, the playoffs have started early in the sense that you cannot lose another game if you hope to make it. This is what we all live for. This is what we all play for. And we can't be more excited to break it all down with you. We got a lot to talk about. We got a lot that came out of the Sunday night games that we got to discuss. We got a lot that came out of the Monday night game that we're going to have to discuss and how that's going to affect your fantasy teams moving forward. And of course, the waiver wire report today is actually a pretty hefty list. Not a lot of game changers on there, though. I will preference with that. But some guys in different situations that we could definitely see being of value. And we're going to talk about those guys and which ones you should pick up, which ones you should prioritize, which ones you should spend fad budget on, which ones mean anything at all. And all of that's going to be in this episode. So make sure you listen throughout the entire thing. You're not going to miss one detail throughout the entire show. And of course, make sure you're following me along on Twitter at MDSFFshow for all those player news update notifications. They're going to be coming out, you know, all through Tuesday. Wednesday especially is always the big day for that one as we get the first practice reports for the week. A lot of injury information that's going to be circulating around this upcoming week along with four teams being on by. So make sure you're following me along there. You can always contact me on Facebook as well at MDFFshow. And you can always go to the website, www.mdffshow.com. You can email me, or you can check out the rankings while you're there on the website, or any of the articles written by Chris Dauhauer, or you can check out the latest video episode streams. Next one, of course, coming up on Thursday, as we are at the mobile studios today, which means only the audio version of the podcast will be made available to you guys early Tuesday morning. 
So we have a lot to get to. Let's go ahead and jump right into it. Take the break. Get right into the Sunday night recap on the other side. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. So with the Sunday night game, there's a lot to break down, not necessarily from a fantasy perspective, because from a fantasy perspective, it was pretty much all around putrid. But there are a lot of other existential situations around this game that are really going to affect you moving forward. And we're interesting developments as well. The first off, we're going to start off with the Rams side of the ball because Robert Woods, all of a sudden, about an hour before the game, is just an inactive out of nowhere. Listed for personal reasons that he's still apparently handling, uh, according to Sean McVay on Monday. So apparently, whatever happened, hopefully all is well. In that type of situation, when these players miss games, it has to be something serious when it's a personal issue. So we all hope that everything is okay with Robert Woods moving forward. And I expect him to be back and playing this Sunday, as long as it's not anything too uh, tragic. So hopefully everything's okay there. But that was the first very interesting development in this game. The next one was Todd Gurley. For the first time all season long, Todd Gurley finally got plus 20 carries. 25 carries in this game. 97 yards, had a rushing touchdown, three catches, 36 yards. It was a Todd Gurley line for the first time in forever. And I know last week I said I'm going to give Todd Gurley owners some hope because the Rams know their season's on the line. And that continues to be the truth. San Francisco won again. We'll see Seattle after the bye against Philadelphia. So that was great to see. And Gurley looked good. He looked spry. He looked healthy. He didn't look like he got banged up. And that's what you're looking for as a Todd Gurley owner. Will they continue to do this moving forward? I hope. I hope. Jared Goff continued to be horrible. 11 of 18, 173 yards, no touchdowns, an interception. If he's on your fantasy teams, I don't know why he would be, but if he's on your fantasy teams, you can go ahead and drop him. He's not even a streaming option right now with the way he's been playing. But this whole offense has a chance to turn the corner if Todd Gurley's finally going to get his workload, his share. And they did something that was very interesting. They switched up their game plan. They adjusted to the offensive line that they have. They don't have an athletic, quick offensive line like they're used to having in years past. They actually have more girth than they usually have, and especially in the interior. And they finally used that girth. They double teamed. They went down the middle. They tried to run it down the Bears' throat instead of side to side and used that to their advantage, and it worked. Look, it wasn't great efficiency on the day, only 3.9 yards a carry, but most of that was because the Bears adjusted and played a lot better in the second half. And that first half of that game, Todd Gurley was gashing them, like a lot of teams have done so far against the Chicago Bears. This is just a great sign, or a I, I don't know if it's a sign. It's one game, but it's a, a great step in the right direction if you're hoping Todd Gurley can maybe turn the corner for you as we get down the stretch. So that you can take out of, and they won the game, controlled the game, and they're going to have to do more of that if they want to try to make the playoffs, because right now that's how competitive the NFC is. Even at 6-4, and four, they are on the outside looking in. 
The NFC is absolutely stacked. So if they want to make the playoffs, and they should with the defense that they have, you're going to have to start giving the ball more to Todd Gurley. Finally did in this one. It was great to see. The best part, like I said, is that he was effective and that he was able to come away unscathed. Hopefully this means more work like this to come. As far as the wide receivers go, look, there was no Robert Woods, no Brandon Cooks. So you figure, what does that mean? Oh, it's got to be Cooper Cup, right? Well, Cooper Cup can't do a whole hell of a lot if Jared Goff is not going to throw the ball. And Jared Goff only threw the ball 18 times. So let's be a little fair to him. He didn't play well, but he didn't get very many opportunities either. And therefore, Cooper Cup, three catches, 53 yards after coming off of a goose egg last week. And this was on three targets. Not too many teams are going to be playing against the Bears. And we know that the Bears have a nice pass rush. We know that the Rams really wanted to make sure by running Todd Gurley, they're going to keep Jared Goff out of harm's way for the most part in this one. Better days are ahead for Cooper Cup. I'm not really concerned there. Of all the wide receivers, Cooper Cup's not the guy I'm concerned about. Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, if he's able to come back, and maybe he is, as they do expect him to practice again this week and maybe returning soon rather than later, which is would be a great thing. But... He's the only receiver I'm not worried about. He's the only Jared Goff-proof wide receiver, we should say. Josh Reynolds, in the absence of Robert Woods, and the absence of Brandon Cooks, actually had six targets. He was actually the most targeted receiver of all the Rams, but also only had three catches for 55 yards. Not a lot to take out of it. Gerald Everett, only one catch, 20 yards on one target. That was probably the most disappointing thing of this game because he had been somebody who had been getting a lot of volume. You've been leaning on as a, not a top six, seven, eight tight end, but a guy who's been giving you borderline tight end one production. And because of his volume, you've been able to lean on the fact that he's had a floor. And coming into this game, especially when you found out Robert Woods was going to be inactive, you really thought that he was going to have that kind of a floor, that kind of a volume again. But no one expected him to only throw the ball 18 times. We'll see what happens moving forward. Obviously, the Rams are still going to be a pass-heavy team in the future. They're still going to run their three-receiver sets. So I don't expect that to be the trend. But hopefully, they do keep it in line with Todd Gurley moving forward. As far as Chicago's side of the ball. Now, let's start off with the biggest story that everyone's been talking about, which is Mr. Trubisky getting benched for Chase Daniel at the end of the game. Matt Nagy can lie all he wants to. I don't care what you say. Watch, I watched that game live. watched it in its entirety. You can lie all you want to, Matt Nagy. You want to say Mr. Trubisky had a hit pointer injury in the second quarter? Whatever. Make up whatever story you need to make up. It does not matter to me. Mr. Trubisky has been horrible all season long. And Chase Daniel, the time when they had to go to Chase Daniel because Mr. Trubisky was actually out, he at least was competent enough to make that offense be able to do something and let their defense keep them in games. They benched him. There was 10 points. You saw it over three minutes to go. You still have a fighting chance at that point, especially when you have all three timeouts, which they did. They went to Chase Daniel. Didn't work out. He's only one for, he only went one for four in that drive, but it just shows you Trubisky's done. They had a long conversation. They even showed it on Sunday Night Football. They had a long conversation on the sideline when Matt Nagy was going to be switching over. Trubisky, you could tell by the look on his face, he was not pulled out because he was hurt. Period. He was perfectly fine. He got benched. And frankly, fantasy owners, of the Bears, there's only three players that you actually own, right? You own Tariq Cohen. You own David Montgomery. You own Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson's a big one. You want Chase Daniel to be the quarterback moving forward. I can't believe I'm saying that. 
I can't believe that's the thing, but that's how bad Mitchell Trubisky is. You want Chase Daniel to be the quarterback moving forward if you're especially an Allen Robinson owner. Because he is the only guy who gives you a chance on that roster right now to actually have the ball thrown his way the amount of times that it should be thrown his way, first and foremost. And B, be given the opportunities to actually be able to make a play. Now, yes, he was being shadowed by Jalen Ramsey in this game. So it was a tough matchup. And we knew that going in. And that's why we weren't really playing Allen Robinson. Between Mitchell Trubisky and it being a tough matchup, he shouldn't have been in too many lineups if you guys were able to help help it to begin with. Before catches for 15 yards on six targets, when Taylor Gabriel and Anthony Miller both had double-digit targets in this game, that's pathetic. That That's absolutely pathetic. You want Chase Daniel being the starting quarterback moving forward. We will see what happens this week. We'll see if they hide behind Mitchell Trubisky has to miss because of an injury. We'll see what they say. But what I'm telling you is that he was benched, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's the last we see of Trubisky for the rest of the year. Because at some point, you got to be able to do something. Because he doesn't look like he belongs on the NFL field, period. So we'll see what happens there. Tariq Cohen, pretty effective in this game. Nine catches, 39 yards. Five, catch- five catches for 35 yards and a touchdown. Sorry, I said nine catches, didn't I? Nine carries and then five catches on six targets in this game. So he was good. You expected, I think Tariq Cohen was somebody that in PPR leagues, I was good with you playing him in the flex. We knew David Montgomery was banged up all week long after hurting his ankle in practice. Weren't sure how effective he was going to be. And you also knew Tariq Cohen was the one mismatch the Bears were going to have against the Rams in this game, who have a very good defense. He was going to be the one spark plug they would be able to go to. He's an easy check down for Jabisky, and that's pretty much what he was this entire game for him as well. So he wound up putting in a nice effort here. David Montgomery, 14 carries, 31 yards, one catch, 19 yards. I was trying to steer as many people away from David Montgomery as I possibly could. Not only did he not love the matchup in this one because of the Rams' defense, but you knew because he was banged up, he didn't know exactly what his workload was going to be. If he was even going to be active, because we didn't find out for sure he was going to be active until about an hour and a half before this game was the Sunday night game. There's better days ahead for him. Uh, he did do pretty well with Chase Daniel as far as getting the volume that you look for. It's just going to be a matter of how bad is that ankle. But being that he was able to get through the, this game unscathed, I think he should be okay moving forward. We'll keep our eyes on it throughout the injury report and practice reports this upcoming week. We'll see if he's out there. Hopefully he is. Because he's still somebody that they want to give the ball 20 times to. They want to utilize. And when they have some of their easier matchups down the road here, he should be an RB, a high on RB3 should so I think better days are ahead for David Montgomery that pretty much wraps up this game I mean there wasn't a lot else to take out of it just wasn't it was just an ugly game 7 to 17 so we're gonna take a quick break we're gonna come back on the other side we're getting the Monday night game for you all right here the MD's fantasy football show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at unwrapsports.com. Again, that's unwrapsports.com. Woo-wee! What a terrible, mostly disappointing Monday Night Football game. I mean, there were so many lineups going into this game that were depending on the players they had going in Monday Night Football to help them win their leagues, and yet so many, so many disappointed. Of course, starting off the Chiefs side of the ball, Tyreek Hill gets hurt early in the first quarter, doesn't play again, goosed you on your Monday Night Football matchup. 
I mean, absolutely nightmare scenario right now if you were going into that Monday night game hoping that Tyreek Hill would take you to the promised land. And I'm sure a lot of the teams out there were. Now, the good news is that they're calling it a hamstring strain, not a pull, not a tear. And with the bye week coming up, he may not miss a game in the future. But for a lot of teams, this was do or die. This was in a place where they needed to win in order to make sure they had a chance to make the playoffs. Now with two weeks left and definitely no Tyreek Hill because of the bye week, you're suddenly stuck in a very tough situation. Not to mention Damien Williams. He gets hurt early in this game with a rib injury. We are still yet to get the details as far as the severity of that go. But he comes out early in this game after finally saying, okay, we have the Chiefs running back, the guy we're going to lean on, the guy who's going to be the lead runner, the guy who's going to be the lead back in a Patrick Mahomes-led offense where you're going to score points. And he gets hurt early in this game. LaShawn McCoy got hurt in this game. Not that you're going to be leaning on LaShawn McCoy, but then it's like, okay, well, what are we going to see out of LaShawn McCoy then, who's active, Damian Williams was hurt. And McCoy scored and then quickly left the game after that. So all of a sudden it got left to Darrell Williams, who came in 11 carries, 35 yards. He did also get a rushing touchdown. Wasn't really worked in the passing game all that much. Only two catches for eight yards. I mean, huge disappointments across the board on the Kansas City Chiefs side of the ball. The only guy that really performed to expectations was Travis Kelsey, who had seven catches for 92 yards, a touchdown on 10 targets. That was it. Everyone else was disappointed. Sammy Watkins only had three targets. That's the least amount of targets he's had all season long when he's been active. Two catches, 26 yards. Patrick Mahomes was disappointing in this game. Of all the players, Patrick Mahomes didn't come to play. 19 of 32, 182 yards, a touchdown with one interception. The only thing he helped actually save your fantasy day was the fact that he used his legs to run in this one and to make plays and ran for 59 yards. Had he not done that, Mahomes would have bottomed out for you. I mean, this was just a disappointment across the board. Look, they're going to the bye week. Hopefully, they'll get healthier. We'll find out about Damian Williams. We'll find out about Tyreek Hill. You know better days are ahead for this offense. But talk about a worse point in the season to have the most disappointing game as an offense. And yet, they still won this game. On the other side of the ball, Chargers, also a lot of disappointments. Mike Williams gets you 76 yards. So, he wound up giving you a decent floor day, but only two catches. Phillip Rivers came into this game. This was his last chance to be fantasy relevant. This was his last chance to prove that he could be a stream-worthy quarterback the rest of the year. And he threw for 353 yards on a touchdown, but four interceptions and looked absolutely horrendous throughout the entirety of this game. And is the big reason why Mike Williams' season has been so disappointing. Austin Eckler was the guy who came through for you. Eight catches, 108 yards on 12 targets. He just continues to be a guy that you can play in the flex and PPR leagues. Now, I didn't trust Austin Eckler coming into this game because the game plan to me should have been the Chargers took a, a, a play, not a play, but a game script out of the Tennessee Titans game flow that they had against the Chansey Chiefs the week before, where even when they fell down by a couple of scores, they stuck with the run, and they actually wound up putting up a ton of points as a result because the Chiefs cannot stop the run, and Derrick Henry had a huge game, and coming into this one... I thought the Chargers would learn something from that, a team that's been running the football much better as of late, and use that. And in this game where they were not more than a couple scores down at any one point, had no reason to abandon the run. And yet that's exactly what they did with Phil Rivers throwing the ball 52 times. A huge disappointment on the coaching staff of the Chargers on top of it. Melvin Gordon was gashing this team, especially early on in this game. There was no reason to go away from him. 
Just because you fall down by a couple of scores, your best attack is Melvin Gordon against his team, who had a decent game. He had 90 total yards. But really, that's kind of minimal. It's kind of a disappointment when you look at what Melvin Gordon's been able to do as of late and how the Chargers offense should have been attacking the Kansas City Chief defense, even when they were down by a couple of scores. That's why Austin Eckler was able to do really well. Look, as of late, him and Melvin Gordon have been splitting touches as far as pass catching goes, and Gordon had been taking the lead. So I wasn't too sure about this game, but they went back to Eckler because they went back to throwing the ball 52 times. Moving forward, nothing much really changes. Keenan Allen had a decent game for you. Eight catches, 71 yards, touchdown, 12 targets. That is a Keenan Allen stat line. Where he's going to have that high floor for you, the question will be, does he score or not to give you that ceiling, that wide receiver one ceiling? But that is what we can expect out of Keenan Allen moving forward. Mike Williams, he's a wide receiver four. He hasn't scored yet. Don't know when he's going to score. Has to score at some point this season. But at this point, I don't know if you're going to be playing Mike Williams when that actually happens. He has to be no more than wide receiver four, especially given the way Phillip Rivers has been playing. Phillip Rivers, no longer a streaming quarterback moving forward. Melvin Gordon is a high-end RB2 who has the RB1 capability as long as they keep running the ball more effectively. And Eckler will continue to have some PPR value. He still only had five carries in this game, so he's not involved in that, that facet of the game. And Melvin Gordon... If he hadn't had that bad drop, I think would have been more involved in the passing game as well. As he had five targets. It was just a lot of disappointment all the way around. For a game that should have been high scoring, much more exciting. Now, it did come down to the end. The game itself was a decent game at the end of the day. Well, at least in the fourth quarter anyway. It was interesting. But it was really an ugly game otherwise. Hats off to the Chargers defense. Hats off to the Kansas City Chiefs defense. Because they played much better than I think anybody would have expected them to. And at least with the Chiefs players... You know, barring the injuries being something more long-term than just outside of their bye week, you know better days are ahead for them. But with the Chargers, Melvin Gordon, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler in PPR leagues, and Hunter Henry, who had nine targets for six catches, 69 yards. Those are guys that are going to just have good performances for you week in and week out, are going to be able to take advantage of upside. But Mike Williams, Philip Rivers, no longer fantasy relevant in my book. And it's going to be a struggle in certain situations. Just a bad game in general. But that pretty much wraps up everything we need to know about the Monday night game. We're going to take one last quick break, come back on the other side, and we're going to have the waiver wire report for you guys, which we have to get into now. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. Now it is time for the Waiver Wire Report. The best part of the show because it gives us the opportunity to look forward to the next week. Put week 11 aside, coming to a close. We're going forward to week 12. Like I said, it's all hands on deck. It's now or never. You're either consolidating your team for the playoffs or you're trying to do everything you possibly can to make it into the playoffs these next two weeks. For those of you who are already out and had a disappointing season, it's still important for you to be aggressive. It's still important for you to play the waiver wire. Look, 
Take pride in being a spoiler. Take pride in trying to still win as many games as you can. And most leagues, I know most leagues have some sort of toilet bowl, loser punishment. You want to avoid the hell out of that. So the waiver wire report is still very important for you guys the next couple of weeks. No matter who you are, no matter what situation your team is in. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And that's what we're here to help you with. Like I said, this week, I have a long list of names, but not a lot of game changers, right? Let's start off with the biggest ones. We have Jonathan Williams, who's going to be on top of everyone's waiver wire list. He's going to be the number one sought out priority guy, probably the number one fab guy. But take in consideration here, head coach Frank Wright comes out today and says, it's going to be a split work share between him, Naeem Hines, which we kind of figured. Naeem Hines would be in the passing game. No big deal. The problem is, is that it's not just him. The problem is Jordan Wilkins is also expected to be back from his ankle injury earlier than we all thought he was going to be. And Frank Wright came out and said that he should be worked in. Now, here's the problem with that. We don't know if that's really true. Because if it's true, either way it's bad for Jonathan Williams. If it's true, then all of a sudden, if this becomes a three-man carousel in that backfield against Houston Texans on Thursday night, nobody has value that you feel great about heading into that matchup. If it's purely coach speak, as in, yeah, all three of them will share the workload. It'll be a unit. But really, it's just Jonathan Williams and Naeem Hines. Then it's going to throw you for a loop because maybe you don't prioritize Jonathan Williams the way you would have in the waiver wire, use as much fab as you would have. If you've known that Jordan Wilkins wouldn't really be involved outside of just being active and being a couple carry guy. I do believe that Jordan Wilkins being active and just being purely a backup to Jonathan Williams is more likely than him actually having, let's say, an equal work share of the carries with Jonathan Williams there. First of all, Jordan Wilkins, whenever given the opportunity, has never been able to take advantage. He's always been bad. Always. Without a doubt. Jonathan Williams was very effective last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars to help that team get a key divisional win. It would be hard for me to believe on a Thursday night game after the performance that he just put up in, in, in replacement of Marlon Mack that he would suddenly share the workload with a guy who has been on the bubble as far as the roster goes pretty much all season long. It would be hard for me to believe. So I do think that you can pick up Jonathan Williams. I think you can play Jonathan Williams. I wouldn't go crazy here. Now, Marlon Mack had surgery on his hand. His expectation is that he's going to miss a few weeks. So Jonathan Williams could have some value for the next upcoming weeks. And like I said, I don't think Jordan Wilkins is actually going to be that involved. I don't think they're really going to go to a committee in which would take away the predominance of Jonathan Williams being the carry guy, Naeem Hines being the pass-catching guy. In PPR leagues, I think you can... Look at Naeem Hines as a possible option. Look, Jacoby Reset has been going down the field quite a bit, but look, we don't know if we're going to have T.Y. Hilton back. He's hoping to be back this week, but he was worked off the side of a rehab field and was evaluated again today. We'll wait till tomorrow, and I'm recording this Monday night, so it was earlier Monday. You guys are hearing this Tuesday morning. We'll wait till sometime later on today, on Tuesday, when 
or if he's going to be able to come back this Thursday and exactly what is he looking at the rest of the way. But Jonathan Williams is somebody who is better than Jordan Wilkins by a landslide and should get the first crack to be the lead back. And behind this offensive line, with the way this offense is playing right now, I guess especially against the Houston Texans who don't have a very good defense at the moment, yeah, he's somebody who could definitely be a value. He's somebody who could definitely be a high-end flex play. So he's the one game changer we go with. I just put it out there because a lot of people are going to kind of gloss over that situation or tell you he has no value. Look, will I be surprised because it's Frank Reich in the background that he comes from that Jordan Wilkins suddenly does find a way to get seven to eight carries in this game? No, it wouldn't surprise me. It would definitely disappoint me, but it would not surprise me. But I think you're going to be okay at the end of the day. I think talent's going to win out in this situation, and that talent should be Jonathan Williams. And he's only 4% owned, so he's, he's definitely widely available. The other guy I want to talk about, Bo Scarball. 1% owned on average in leagues. I, could, I couldn't even believe he was 1% owned. I thought he was going to be 0% owned. This guy came out of nowhere. He looked good. He wasn't great. He wasn't awesome, but he scored. He looked good when he had the opportunities. He gave him a semblance of a running game that they have not had since Carrion Johnson went out. So, to the expectation that I would have is that you found a guy to be your lead rusher. Now, maybe he's not your pass catcher. That's going to be J.D. McKissick. That's going to be his role. But Ty Johnson hasn't been very good. And he was barely used in this game after he did clear concussion protocol and was good to go. They didn't use him that much. Now, you're not going to really want to trust any one Detroit Lions running back the rest of the way, I think, regardless. But Bo Scarball has some talent. I talked about him yesterday in the recap episode. If you missed that one, when I talked about the Sunday afternoon games, he is somebody who reminds me a lot of Christian Michael. Not a ton of vision, but when the hole is there, he has an extra gear and he has a physicality to fall forward, to make plays, to bounce off of guys. He has some explosive playmaking ability to him. It's not always going to be consistent, and he's definitely going to be matchup dependent. But if they go down this road the way they should, he is somebody who's going to have flex appeal, who's going to have the opportunities to score touchdowns in the red zone. And if they have to keep going with Nomad Stafford, they're going to have to lean on the running game a little bit more than maybe necessarily want to. I know Jeff Driscoll has played well, but he's only thrown for just over 200 yards the past two weeks. So we could see them have to be more of a balanced attack. Bo Scarball is somebody who should be picked up because he's going to have value the rest of the way. I think it should be clear-cut. I don't believe Ty Johnson's going to work himself back into the rotation uh, after he's already pretty much squandered the opportunity that was laid before him in the first place. It would make no sense to do so, especially after Scarball had a good game against a tough defense, by the way. So those are the top two guys. Next guy actually makes my list surprising enough to me. Darius Geis, 47% owned on average. When I say on average, just in case you guys are new to the show, most of you at MD Nation should know by now, but what I do is I average out all the ownership between ESPN, Yahoo, CBS, NFL Network, all the major platforms to kind of find these guys that are less than 50% owned so that most of you listening to this will actually have these guys available to you on the waiver wire. So he's close to 50%. It's 47. I didn't think it was going to be that low. I thought a lot of people had picked him up uh, heading into last week knowing that he would play, and apparently it wasn't as many people as I thought. The reason I say Darius Geis needs to be on this list, while I'm not still a big fan and I don't really want to tie myself to a running back on a bad offense, especially one that could be a three-man carousel if Chris Thompson were to come back, and I think the evidence of that 
of that being a possibility, not just a possibility of Chris Thompson coming back, but him having his passing down role can be looked at with Wendell Smallwood, how much he played on passing downs. When Wendell Small was still active and playing in this game, when you had AP, you had Darius Geis, and they talked about how Darius Geis was going to be more involved in the passing game and, and look at that role. He had that one catch for 45 yards and a touchdown that everyone looks at for the highlight, but that was the only target that he had on the day. So he wasn't actually involved in the passing game. Wendell Smallwood was. He came in and played. So Chris Thompson's still going to have that role probably when he comes back. We don't know exactly when that's going to be yet, but something to keep in mind there. Adrian Peterson's not going to go away in the same way that Frank Gore's not necessarily going to go away. But what I could see is a Frank Gore-Devin Singletary situation where Darius Guy starts to take the lead. Look, the Redskins, at this point, they have nothing to lose. You've, you're just rebuilding. You want to see what you have in these young guys. That's why you're playing Dwayne Haskins for the rest of the season. That's why you have Terry McLaurin that you're so excited about. The next step is to see, do you have a running back or not for the future? I don't believe you do. But with Darius Guy, you have to see it. You have to find out. So while AP can go on and on about how he's not worried about the rotation, the fact is he only had two more carries than Darius Geis in this game. I just I could very well see a scenario for the rest of the season where they just flip it over to Darius Geis because they have to see what they have moving forward. And that's just plain and simple natural truth of the situation. So he makes this list. Zach Pascal, 36% owned. I know he hasn't been that great. And with no T.Y. Hilton against Houston... There's a real chance he can wind up being the number one wide receiver again. Remember, Zach Pascal had his big game, really his emerging game as the number two wide receiver of the Indianapolis Colts against the Houston Texans. Remember, this is a great matchup for wide receivers. So is he, does he have a great ceiling? No, I wouldn't say he has a great ceiling, even though he did score two touchdowns in that game against Houston the last time they played. But they also had T.Y. Hilton in that game, too. But he definitely has a floor. He was still targeted the most of the wide receivers this past week, even though he wasn't you know, very productive. No, nobody in the passing game really was. Jacoby Brissett will have a much better game this week against Houston. There's no doubt about it. And I expect Zach Pascal to have a much better game as a result too. So in a week where you have four teams on by, three of those teams being the Vikings and the Chargers and, and the Chiefs, you're talking about a lot of wide receivers there. Of course, the Chiefs, you got some guys who are banged up, and we'll see what happens in Week 13 with Tyree Kill, if he's able to come back or not. But you still have a lot of wide receivers that are going to be missing from your lineups. I think he's somebody who can be in the flex. I think he's got a decent floor against Houston this week and a could, what could be a sneaky shootout game. Now, Darius Slayton, 25% on on average. Sterling Shepard is practicing, and Sterling Shepard actually makes this list as, as well as he's only 40% owned, and the only reason I put him on this list is because we found out that he was, in fact, practicing. Now, he has been practicing for a little while, but this time around, this report sounded a little bit different. This indicated that him practicing today on Monday is a pretty good indication that they actually may bring him back. So all that talk about possibly shutting him down for this season, sending him the IR, that seems to have gone by the wayside. Whatever he's done, he's made enough progression for them to actually open up the door again for him to come back and play. So that's why I have him on my waiver wire report, just because you're looking for value anyway. But in case he doesn't, and because we're still expecting Evan Ingram to miss at least another week or two, quite possibly, Darius Slayton has shown that he has that capability to go down the field. Now, that game from before the bye, where he had you know double-digit catches and over 100 yards and a couple touchdowns, I don't expect that kind of performance. He's not going to demand that kind of a workload as far as the target share goes. But this is a guy who's a big play threat, and Daniel Jones has shown a rapport with him all season long. 
especially when the opportunity set up as such to go his way. So if there's going to be no Evan Ingram, if there will be no Sterling Shepard again, I think you can play Darius Slayton this week. So something to kind of keep in mind there. It's why I have him in there at 25% on average owned, so he should be available. Next guy I want to talk about is David Njoku. 18% owned on average. I talked about him last week, actually, leading up into it, because this is somebody who I think is going to be back sooner rather than later. The Browns have a better schedule the rest of the way, and because of the putrid situation at the tight end position in general for fantasy football, David Njoku is a guy that you might want to take a look at. Could be a nice safety blanket, could be a nice red zone target. It's not like Odell Beckham or Jarvis Landry have been all that great. So it's not like there's not a role for him to carve out for himself. So David Njoku, somebody that if you're desperate to tight end situation, maybe pick him up if you have the roster spot to be able to do so. Now, keep in mind, I wouldn't just drop anybody for him. You have to have somebody that you're willing to drop and are willing to move on from before you head into the playoffs. But he is somebody who I would call a key playoff stash for your line, especially if you're looking for something at tight end. Next I want to talk about is Raheem Mostert. I know he had a bad game. He's only 15% owned on average. I know there's a chance maybe Matt Breida comes back. And if Matt Breida comes back, then this goes out the window. This is another guy that I wouldn't waste priority on. I wouldn't waste a fad budget on. So kind of keep that in mind there. But with Raheem Mostert, against the Green Bay Packers, the 49ers are going to have to run the football. And against the Green Bay Packers, the 49ers should have success running the football because they are a team that has been gashed pretty consistently all throughout the season. I don't see why against the number one rushing team in football, or at least the number one most heavily run team in football, would not have success against the Green Bay Packers. I know it's been a little bit rough as of late. I know Tevin Coleman's been a bit of a disappointment over the past three weeks or so now, but I do expect them to bounce back and get back on track. And if Matt Breida doesn't play, I think Raheem Mostert will be what we expected him to be this past week, which is a flex play. Look, Arizona just played really good run defense at the end of the day. I'm not worried about it. I don't think the 49ers have lost their mojo being able to run the football or anything along of those lines. So Raheem Mostert could be a flex play if Matt Breida misses. So that's why he's on my list here. Next thing I want to talk about is Hunter Renfro. I don't love the guy's ceiling, but he clearly has a floor. Now, going against Cincinnati, he didn't have a huge game. Tyrell Williams, Darren Waller both had better games, but they also didn't have huge games. What impressed me is that he had just as many targets as those guys in a matchup in which the Raiders controlled. And while it wasn't a lot of high scoring, they didn't have to do a lot to win that game outside of running the football. And the fact that he was still targeted as much as those other guys and worked in the rotation when they get in matchups like the Chiefs in Week 13, like some of these other guys, like the Chargers, when they have to play them again. When they get in some of these matchups, they're going to have to lean on the passing game. Hunter Renfro is going to be worked in. PPR leagues, he kind of takes the place for me, uh, takes the place away from Danny Amendola. This is kind of the same boat. I'm only looking at him in PPR leagues, and it's because he does offer up a decent floor given the target volume that he's getting. And now you're looking at it as Tyrell Williams and Darren Waller can get their targets, and Hunter Renfro can still get his share as well, making him an even more safe option moving forward. Derek Carr's been playing very well, so he makes this list at 14% on average owned. Next I want to talk about is Alan Lazard. He was on my waiver wire report last week, and yet somehow he went from 8% to 6%. Now, not totally surprising because it was a bye week, but I need people to remember he had been becoming the second wide receiver in Aaron Rodgers' offense. He has his trust, plain and simple. 
So I expect Alan Lazard, especially going up against the San Francisco 49ers when they're coming off of a bye, to be pretty well worked in. To be a guy who's going to be utilized moving forward. Now, he doesn't have a crazy upside. We're still talking about a guy who at best is a wide receiver four. But this week coming up, when you have these bye weeks, when you have these teams who are on bye that you have to deal with, yeah, I think he's somebody who might present a home run flyer flex play even against San Francisco 49ers because the Packers, are, I think, are going to have to throw the ball more so than not in order to get some offense against them. And I think it might actually surprise some people, but I think it's going to be a higher scoring game than people are anticipating as well. And he's so widely available. Ryan Griffin. He's the number one tight end that you should be going to pick up this week. 3% own on average. I could not believe it when I ran the numbers. Could not believe that on average, Ryan Griffin's only 3% owned. We know Chris Herndon was gone. We know that this entire season, Ryan Griffin has had a pretty deep, safe floor this entire season when Chris Herndon was not playing. So I was really shocked to find that he was only 3% owned. Now, he was never heavily owned to begin with. I don't think he was ever more than 50% owned at any point this season. But 3%, this guy, if you're looking for tight end help, this is the guy that you go to. I know it's a just offense. I know people want no parts of it. But there's been two guys who have, well, really three, but two guys in the passing game predominantly who have been safe as long as Sam Darnold's been the quarterback. That's been Ryan Griffin. It's been Jameson Crowder. Pick up Ryan Griffin if you're looking for a tight end. He's at least going to keep you in a competitive level. And he's a touchdown threat after having that big game. So he's somebody who definitely has to be picked up. Another wide receiver, more of a flyer type that I want to talk about is Russell Gage. 3% owned. He actually should have had a better game this past week. He had a touchdown called back due to the penalty. And I know that Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones had a huge game, and they're the ones that are going to get most of the targets. But Russell Gage comes in. He's still the third pass catcher on this team. They played Tampa Bay this upcoming week. I mean, if you're looking for places to take flyers at, you could do worse than Russell Gage. That's somewhere where I would look. That's somewhere I would take a shot on. Especially if you need a home run threat this week if you have some guys on by. He's in a good situation there. And when they play against teams like Tampa Bay, being that Brian Hill was abysmal against Carolina, we don't know exactly when Devontae Freeman is going to be back, whether it's this week or next week. Sounds like it might be close, though. They're going to have to lean on the passing game. That's going to, Russell Gage is going, by default, is going to have to get at least five targets, six targets thrown his way just because of the heavy volume. So yeah, he's somebody I want to take a flyer on. I'm going to close out this waiver wire report with a very interesting name. And that's Rob Gronkowski. Now, by the time you listen to this, we may know what the announcement on Rob Gronkowski is. But the big story is, of course, that he's going to come out in a press conference on Tuesday and have a big announcement for the world. We don't know exactly what that's going to be. But what we do know is that it seems like very odd timing. This is the last week that Rob Gronkowski could decide to return this season. And we know the Patriots have been struggling, not just for you know dominant pass catchers, but also for blocking help, which Rob Gronkowski was always great at. And we know that Gronk has been staying in shape. So I think the anticipation is that maybe, just maybe he'll announce that he's coming back. We don't know that for sure. It's been nothing but speculation to this point. Like I said, by the time you listen to this, you may already know the answer, which is why I saved him for last. But in case you're listening to this early on in the morning and we don't know yet, 
Rob Gronkowski is somebody that I would have my eye on. He's actually still 7% owned. He's more owned than Ryan Griffin and Russell Gage. <laughs> that's that's you know, that's hysterical. That's hilarious. But he could be the guy that you blow your priority, blow your tire fad budget on depending on what his announcement is. Thankfully, he's going to make it on Tuesday. So that way you know what to do going into your waiver wires heading Tuesday night or Wednesday night, depending on what your league is set up to do. So you should have an idea. But he is definitely somebody who, if he says he's coming back, I don't care. I don't even care if you have a good tight end. Pick him up. I don't care if he hasn't been working out with the team. It's Rob Gronkowski. If you're in a position where you look like you're going to make the playoffs, you need to have him on your team because they're going to need him down this stretch. But that's going to close out the waiver wire report. That's going to close out today's episode. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. We will be back on Thursday with the preview week 12 part one, which will include the Thursday night game and the early Sunday games. Make sure you ask me all of your fantasy football questions, not just to be answered by me. And I will get to all the questions that I am asked to make sure you guys have all the information you need, but also to have a handful picked out that will be on the show. Now, Thursday's show will be a live stream show on Sportscaster. So make sure you go to sportscaster.com at MDFF belly up. USN. That is the username in which you can go ahead and check me out. I will announce about an hour before the show goes live on Twitter exactly when that is going to happen. So make sure you're following me along on Twitter at MDSFF show and make sure you check that out. And I have one better for you. If you're unable to get your question into me at any other point, get it in on one of the, on one of the videos, whether it's Thursday, whether it's Friday. If you join in on Sportscaster, there's a chat there while the stream is going on. You could drop your question in the chat and I will get to any question and it'll be on the show as part of the episode in the mailbag segment if you do it that way. So come and check me out on sportscaster.com. Definitely excited. That's been going really well so far and I'm really been happy with the feedback that I've gotten from that to this point. So go ahead, check it out and leave me a comment, not just on there, but also leave me a review on any one of your favorite Apple podcasts that you listen to the show, whether it be Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, Pinecast, wherever you go. The Emmys Fantasy Football Show, widely available to you. Leave us a five-star review. Leave us a comment. It does wonders for the show. You have absolutely no idea. It does wonders for the show. Always appreciate you guys at MD Nation. So we're going to close it out. I will see you guys on Thursday. Everyone, have a lovely day. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 